0: Do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. First John chapter one, starting at verse five, we are in our first John series so that we may know. First John chapter one, verse five, John says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You know, we're living in a day, the generation that desires to be progressive. We've seen the advancements of technology with devices that many thought they would never see in their lifetime. And yet when it seemed as if we've reached our peak of technology, and technological advancements, this generation just refuses to stop and they keep coming up with new things, new inventions and upgrades. This generation is a generation of Progress And they're so progressive, so much so that we even see it in the world of entertainment. Notice the lack of originality when it comes to TV shows and movies, but an increase of remakes with a felt need to give the original storyline a facelift. This is a generation that seeks progress to the point where they demand it in every area of one's life. And this demand, should open the eyes of many of us to recognize that there can be a positive progress and negative progress. We see the positive progress in technology being used to make life easier and more convenient. But we also see the negative progress through the consistent protesting leading to the legalization of homosexual marriage. We have seen the negative progress through the supermarkets selling books that manipulate the minds of children when it comes to gender identification. In fact, after years of petitioning, schools have finally allowed students to form after-school programs and clubs dedicated to the worship of Satan. So there can be positive progress and there can be Negative progress and progress, whether it be good or bad, has found its way in the church. Yes, we have seen positive progress based on the increase of discipleship since the Great Commission in Matthew 28. We have seen souls saved. We have seen people baptized. We have seen people coming into the church. That is positive progress. However, we have also seen an increase of preachers who use the gospel to justify Sin, rather than stand against it these are the days we're living in we're seeing both positive and negative progress because this is a generation that desires to be progressive however a look through history whether it's U.S. history or world history or even church history will reveal that though the times have changed people have not history will reveals that this is not the first generation who desires progress whether it be good or bad but this desire has been craved by people for thousands of years this passage that we've read this morning was written in a time when christians or so-called christians used the gospel to justify their sin for the sake of what appeared to be progress they used the gospel to justify Incest and homosexuality, they used the gospel to justify unhealthy friendships and lifestyles. And to make matters worse, the Christians or the so-called Christians that of that time felt the freedom to revolve the gospel around their preference because decades had passed since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so everyone who had walked with Jesus by this time had died. It seemed as if no one was alive to defend the truth of the gospel, giving these people the freedom to base it on their preference. But it's a blessing to serve a God who knows how to somehow reveal the truth from unlikely places. While it seemed as if all the disciples had been killed, we find that there was still one left. While it seemed as if everyone who walked with Jesus had died, this passage reveals that there was still one left and his name was John. Decades had passed since the time of Jesus and John is now old in age and he's living in a time where the truth of the gospel was rejected by the minority. The truth of the gospel seemed to get in the way of society's distorted view of progress, but John still cried aloud through his writing, knowing that this passage may cost him his life. His writing may lead to even more Christian persecution. But John knew that the Holy Spirit in him was greater than he that was in the world, and the truth of the gospel outnumbers anyone who rejects it. And so, through this passage, John cries aloud at any cost because the truth needed to be heard. As I stated earlier, times have changed, but people have not. Here we are, 2,000 years later, still living in a world where the gospel has been rejected by the Bernard, by the majority. The gospel is still seen as a hindrance to society's distorted view of progress, but God is calling for people, for his people to cry aloud to the nations at any cost, because the truth must be be heard. God has planted us, all of us, in places where the gospel can be shared. And my question to you, Coastal Church, who needs your voice? Who needs your presence? Who needs your spiritual leadership? The truth must be heard and someone in your life, in your job, in your neighborhood, in your community needs to hear it. John, in his old age, John, in the minority of devoted Christians, cries aloud at any cost. And he starts this morning's passage by letting us know that what he is writing is not passed from a friend or a journalist. This is not secondhand information. But John lets us know in verse 5 that everything he shares with us has been given to him firsthand by Jesus Christ himself. Verse 5, he says, This is the message that we have heard from him being Jesus and proclaim to you. John was handpicked by Jesus to be a disciple. John walked and he talked with Jesus. He traveled and he camped out with Jesus. He laughed and he ate with Jesus. He was willing to suffer and endure pain with Jesus. And so the heart of John is to let anyone who reads this letter know that we live in a sinful world. But my first point, according to this verse, is that God is light. God is light. First John 1 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. When you look around this room, it's obvious that there is lights shining everywhere. We see the lights Hanging from the ceiling, we see the spotlight above my head. And even though it's a cloudy day, somehow the sun still shines through the window. But as bright as some of these lights can shine, darkness can still be found in this room. As bright as the sun is, there are still areas in this room where the light does not have as much of as, as much of an effect. Our homes and our cars, they may have light. But there's still darkness somewhere in the house. There's still darkness somewhere in the car. And wherever darkness is, there's a chance of unseen and unconfronted dirt. I know we got some people that clean the house. I know we got some people that work hard. But somewhere, somewhere, there's still dirt that we have yet to find because there's darkness. But John says, no matter where you look in God, you will never find any dirt. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This word light, it's a word of purity. It's a word of perfection. You'll never find sin in God because everything about God is perfect. His love and his kindness are perfect. His mercy and his grace are perfect. His knowledge and wisdom are perfect. And even his wrath and vengeance are perfect. Whatever God allows or even causes is perfect. And this is hard for many of us To grasp because life certainly comes with hurts and it comes with pains. It comes with trials and it comes with tribulations. And sometimes it makes no sense to the human mind how God or a loving God can allow or even cause things to take place. It's hard for us to grasp with our human minds how God didn't make a mistake or even forget about us in moments of hardship. But it's in moments of hardship where God wants us to experience his perfect peace. God wants us to recognize his perfect wisdom, his perfect sovereignty. John is writing this letter to people who misinterpreted the gospel. These people, they based the gospel off of works. They believed that the, the only way they could find God was if they said the right thing or did the right things. But notice how John implies that we live in a dark world. Then he refers to God as light. How hard is it to find light in a dark room? It's not hard at all. God has made himself known to us and available to us in the dark world through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only has God made himself known to us through Christ, but he's made himself known to us through his word. God's word is light. God's word is light. God's word is light because it was breathed out and inspired by light. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Everything from God is perfect and reflects who he is. God is light and has made himself known to us through his written word. God's word is is a light in a dark world, and that's what Psalm 119, 105 is letting us know. Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. You know, there are people who actually take the time to spend their weekend or their day climbing mountains and walking through caves. Now, the caves, you know, they're, you know, they're dark enough for you not to see the hand in front of you, and so in order for you to get through the cave, you have to have at least, they're required to have at least three sources of light. You wear a headlamp, you wear a flashlight, you always should carry a backup with you. Uh, and most people, you know, they wear these things. Now, 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 when you hear this, it makes sense. It's obvious, you know, because you would think, why would someone in their right mind walk in a deep, dark cave without a source of light? It, it, it makes sense. And we hear that and we're like, okay. But how often do we walk in a spiritually dark world without a spiritual flashlight? God's word is our God. It's it's our source of light and darkness. When your source of light is not used, you wander in darkness without any direction. You won't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle certain situations because darkness keeps everything covered from our eyes, and so this would explain why we see young men in our communities believing that the display of manhood is showing off guns and drugs on social media because they don't have direction. This is why we see young women who may look for love and affirmation from verbally and physically abusive people because they may not have direction. This is why we live in a world where a man demands to be called Miss And a woman demands to be called Mr. because they have no direction. God's word is light in a dark world and reveals our need for Christ. Psalm 119, 105, again, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One thing about that verse alone that I find interesting is the uniqueness of this book. God's word is a lamp and a light. At the same time you know a light reveals just about everything a light allows you to see down the road a light makes things clear so you don't have to wait for an answer you know there are people that are looking for answers that can be found in Scripture they they're they're people that will pray and ask God if they need to go to church today Do, do I need to I need to wait and see if I'm led to go to church Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. That's your answer. That's your answer right there. I I need to pray and figure out if I need to serve in children's ministry. Well, if God has blessed you in this season of your life to sacrifice one Sunday a month, you love children, you're gifted to work with children, and you're not serving in any other ministry, what do you need to pray about? 1 Peter 4.10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That's your answer right there. That's God's word being a light. God's word can give us general answers that we need. However, God's word is also a lamp. A lamp doesn't show everything all at once. It just reveals what we need for the next step. Some things God doesn't reveal all at once because He wants us to trust Him, and this is what Jesus is telling us in His prayer in Matthew six. He says, "Give us this day our daily bread." That's a lamp prayer. Jesus is encouraging us to take one day at a time and focus on what God has for us today. He later on he prays in Matthew six thirty four. He says, or he tells us in Matthew six thirty four. He says, "Therefore." Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's God's word used as a lamp. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with us. That is a lamp. Scripture. Because we don't know what is to come, but we have to just trust and hold on to the hand of our shepherd, knowing That he is our God. God's word is a lamp and a light. A lamp reveals what is needed in our current season. God's word is a light because he is light. We live in a dark world. But the next point, light makes us accountable. Light makes us accountable. 1 John 1, 7 if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin darkness covers our eyes from reality when we're in darkness we can do whatever we want we can live however we want because it seems as if there's no limitations in the dark. We can be whatever age we want. We can be whatever gender we want. We can blame anyone and everyone on our mistakes because darkness blinds us to the fact that we may point one finger at you, but darkness blinds us from the three fingers that point back at us, which means that we can be as perfect as our mind will allow us to be in the dark. We can be better than other people and people can be beneath us in the dark, and in the dark, we can live our lives without any concern for someone else. Dark allows us to live sinful and evil lives. It allows us to fulfill our fleshly desires. We sleep in the dark. Anybody ever turn all the lights off when you go to sleep? We sleep in the dark because our flesh finds comfort in the dark. But the light reminds us that it's time to get up from our comfort zone And put the needs of someone else above our own that's why we get irritated that's why we smash our head in the pillow we don't want to get up because right now it's all about us but when the light comes on it says put the needs of others above yourself the light reveals our flaws you don't know how many zits and bumps you have until the light comes on The light reveals our flaws and so people stay away from the light so they can appear flawless. It is this mindset that explains why Jesus said in John 3 that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Darkness it blinds us from and it makes us room to base someone's character and intellect on their skin color. It makes room for us to view drugs and alcohol as the ultimate source of relief and money as a supplier of all our needs. And that's why many of us, we crave feel-good preaching. We crave feel-good preaching because we crave the feeling that matches the image we've made of ourselves in the dark. Darkness confronts or it comforts our flesh, and it blinds us from our flaws. But John says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He says, if we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That word walk is a word of life. It is to live and to chase after. This would mean that it is impossible to have an intimate relationship with God while chasing after sin. It is impossible to have an intimate relationship with God and not see the problem with our sin because light will expose every area of your life. This message of the light, it reminds me of a man who was in the hospital lying in bed of a dim room. Light was down trying to persuade the doctors that he wasn't sick and the doctors knowing how determined he was to leave but also knowing how sick he was, they took his clothes hoping that that would hinder him from leaving. But the man lying in his dim room was so determined to leave that he got up from the hospital bed grabbed the hospital gown and he made his way out the hospital but before he left walked up to a mirror to see how good he looked in the hospital gown kind of adjusted everything and he walked out into the bright hallway with confidence feeling good about himself but as he's walking down this bright hallway headed toward the door he begins to see people snickering and holding back laughs and trying to figure out what, what the problem is. And as he walks further down this bright hallway, he walks under a vent and he feels air in an unusual part of his body. Only to realize that though his front was covered, his back was out. We hate the light because it not only reveals our areas of strength, but the areas where our backs are out. The light of God is meant to expose not only our strengths, but our weaknesses. It's not meant to harm us, but it's meant to harm anything that hinders our spiritual growth. And this means that we gain strength in the light because we're challenged. John is telling us in verses 6 and 7, he says that our actions must line up with our proclamation of faith. Our lifestyle, a lifestyle that is contrary to our proclamation, makes a proclamation a lie. Our lives and our testimony should measure the same. Attending church and getting baptized, joining a small group, serving in a ministry does not make us Christians. But a transformed heart and a transformed life by receiving the gospel makes a person a Christian. John is holding the mirror of the character of God and seeing if we see our lives reflecting that character. And though we may look in the mirror and see flawed beings, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing that God, that we serve, wants a relationship with us in spite of our flaws. My next point is that light brings fellowship. 1 John 1, 7, he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin." And so now John begins to unpack what it means to walk in the light. He starts by letting us know again that that God is light without any darkness. And then he challenges us to walk in the light, which is to walk in the things of God. Again, this word walk is to live and is to chase after. And anytime we walk or anytime we run, we progress. We, We move forward. It's a word of forward movement. It is a word of growth. God is a God of sinless attributes. And so when we chase after the things of God, it will be evident in our lifestyle. When we chase after the things of God, we spend intimate time with God and then we desire what he desires. And one of those things that God desires is fellowship. God is one being eternally existent in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in the Godhead, there is no one greater than anyone else. There's no one more powerful. Every person in the Trinity honors and loves one another. Every person in the Trinity fellowships with one another and serves one another. And since God is a God of fellowship, He desires that we not only have fellowship with Him, but that we have fellowship with one another. We should all see each other as equal. No one is better than anyone else, and we should take time to honor. One another and serve one another and put the interests of others above our own we need fellowship as Christians when Christians fellowship with one another we fellowship with God who dwells in us we fellowship with God when we gather for corporate worship the sound and the posture of worship is the sound in the posture of gratitude everyone comes to this church with different stories and different experiences. And we have all sat on the same row with different expressions of worship. And to see the and hear the different expressions of worship is to see how God works in the lives of people of all walks of life. And when we fellowship, we are experiencing that. We experience fellowship with God in small group when we fellowship with one another. Small group, it allows us to be open and honest and vulnerable with one another. It's an opportunity for us to bear one another's burdens. It's a group of people that will celebrate with you in the brightest seasons of your life. But it's also a group of people that will mourn with you in the worst and darkest seasons. We fellowship with God by serving one another. What ministry are you serving in? How can you display a heart of servitude Fellowship is more than just a handshake and a conversation, but it's an opportunity to put others above yourself. God is a God of fellowship. And he not only desires fellowship with his people, but he desires fellowship with one another. Light brings accountability. Light brings fellowship. Light brings salvation. First John chapter 1, and I keep reading this so we can... In our spirit, First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I would like to read and focus on verse 8. Verse 8 again, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, he starts this message in verse 5, letting us know that God is light and there is no darkness in him. God is holy and he's righteous. He made us in his image and in his likeness. And because God is light and light brings fellowship, we were in once perfect fellowship with God and one another. But out of arrogance, we rebelled against God. Our sin separated us from God and put us in the place to deserve nothing but his wrath. And again, God is completely sinless and requires the same standard for everyone who, to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that would mean that heaven is not a place for people who try. Heaven is not a place for people that did their best, but messed up every now and then. But heaven is for a place for people who were born sinless and lived sinless and died sinless. Heaven is a place for perfect people who have no darkness in them. But our rebellion brought sin into the world and sin came and it consumed everything that crossed its path. It even got its hands on Adam and bit so deep through his flesh and consumed so much of his DNA that anybody who is born of Adam is immediately born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And that's why Paul says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. He says later on in Romans 5.12, therefore, such as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, he says And so death spread to all men because all sinned. No one on the planet is perfect because of sin and our rebellion. And this is why John says in verse 8 that if you walk around telling people that you have never sinned, you are deceived and the truth is not in you. Jesus challenges us in Matthew 5 and he lets us know that even if we think of a sin in our heart. We have committed the sin in the eyes of God. And so sin is not only something that's carried out physically, but even in our minds, this means that God has never thought a sinful thought. God has never entertained sin. He is completely holy and he is completely perfect, but we sin daily. We mess up daily. Our rebellion against God brought darkness And sin. We were blind to the truth of our flaws and our shortcomings, and we were destined for eternal darkness and condemnation. How in the world could people born in sin make it into the kingdom of heaven if no one is perfect? How? But God is a God of perfect grace, God is a God of perfect love. Instead of giving us His perfect wrath he gave us his word I stated earlier how God's word is light and that was in reference to his written word but God also has a living and a breathing word according to John 1 1 through 3 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John says a few verses later in 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld, or we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the light, even in a dark world. In fact, he was so much light that John says that the darkness couldn't put it out. He says that in him was life and his life was the light of men and the light shined in darkness and the darkness could not overcome it, which implies that darkness tried to overcome it. Jesus was tempted at all points. He was tempted to preach one thing and live another. He was tempted to depend on the pleasures of this world while teaching trust in the Father. He was tempted to take revenge against his enemies while preaching a message of love and forgiveness. He was tempted to, to, walk away from the, to walk away from the will of the Father while teaching a message of submission to authority. But Jesus was light, and in him was no darkness at all. He was tempted at all points, but did not sin. He remained emptied of sin. And because he was so emptied of darkness, he took the darkness of this world upon himself. And Jesus lied. He was lied on. he, He was harassed. He was beaten and bruised. His body was ripped and torn and his innocent blood was shed, taking the penalty of our sin. He who knew no sin became sin. Jesus died on the cross, taking the penalty that we deserved. He was buried, but three days later, he physically rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. Jesus is still the light, and in him is still no darkness at all. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if anyone denies that they have no sin, they deny the gospel of Jesus, and anyone who denies the gospel is deceived. This is what John wants us to know. In verse 7 and 8 he says but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus that was shed the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin and so if we say we have no sin we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us John exposes the mindset of someone who is deceived but then he answers a question after we've heard the gospel What does a believer do when they fall short? How does a believer respond to the gospel? The last point is that we walk in the light. We are to live in the light. First John verses eight and nine, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But then he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and so the first thing john wants us to know from verse 9 is that a believer in christ a real believer in christ will repent if we believe the gospel then we're saved from the penalty of sin that word belief is not a word of recognition it's not a word where we recognize jesus as the savior or just recognize him as a lord but This word belief is a word of total submission to Jesus as our Lord. It is a word of total trust. It's a result of an intimate relationship with Jesus. And when we've been intimate with Jesus, we not only have a greater desire for him, but we desire what he desires. We begin to live like him. We begin to love what he loves and we begin to hate what he hates. And us loving what God loves is a result of putting him first. Notice the order of this, this message from verse 5 through 10. John starts this letter in verse 5 with God. God is light. Then he talks about us in verse 6. Why? Because God comes first, then us. That's what belief looks like. We walk in the light because we put God first. When we hate what he hates, we hate our sin so much that we seek to turn around from it every time. That's repentance. There's no such thing as a non-convicted Christian. There's no such thing. If you are a true believer in Christ, you will repent because you have received the Holy Spirit that fills us and guides us and convicts us of all sin. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ in 1st John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. God is sinless and he's holy. There's no darkness in him, but we are sinful. The innocent blood of Jesus, the son of God, the word made flesh covers us. And true believers of the gospel, those who are covered by the blood of Jesus will confess and repent. And then John closes. John closes First John 1 and 10, he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This this verse sounds very similar to verse 8. But John takes it a step further in this verse and he lets us know that those who claim to have no sin not only deceive themselves, but they call God a liar. Someone who claims to have No, sin denies the sinfulness of man and our need for a savior and ultimately denies the holiness of God. My question to you, my closing questions, are you someone who acknowledges their sin or are you someone who only sees the flaws of others? Are you someone and when your lifestyle is contrary to the scriptures, do you see it as sin Or do you see the Bible as an outdated book that needs to keep up with the times? My question to believers, we all sin and we fall short every day, all day. But do you believe that you are truly forgiven when you repent? And if you believe that you are forgiven, are you willing to go out and live out the gospel by forgiving and serving someone else? Are you living out the gospel by engaging in Christian community? This is the mindset of someone who walks in the light. I started this message by talking about John's background. You know, he was handpicked by Jesus to be his disciple. And it's believed that he was a young man when Jesus chose him. In fact, some people would even say he was a teenager, when, John, when Jesus chose John along with his brother James, he nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder. And you know, most people hear that and they think, man, Jesus was so prophetic. He thought that he saw that they were going to make this big impact in the kingdom. The reality is that that nickname, Sons of Thunder, was because John didn't have much patience and was always ready to fight somebody. And so this name, Son of Thunder, wasn't because they were going to make an impact for the kingdom. It was recognizing their flaws. John was a hothead. In fact, the Bible says in Luke 9, when the Samaritans didn't want to receive Jesus, James and John demanded permission to call fire down from heaven to burn every Samaritan to death. This is John. This is lovey-dovey John that we see resting on the bosom Or the chest of Jesus. This is John. When all the disciples ran away during Jesus' execution, John ran to go get Jesus' mother and then ran head first into the crowd to be with Jesus. And I guarantee you, he wished someone would have asked him, Do you know Jesus? Yeah, I do. What's up? That's John. That's John. He was a hothead, always ready for a fight, always ready to argue. By the time this was written, he had grew old. And by the time he died, he died known as the apostle and the man of love. By the time he died, he died known as the man with a gentle spirit. How in the world does a hothead like this, someone who wanted to burn an entire civilization, Go from that to the apostle of love with a gentle spirit. John was introduced to the light. And when we walk in the light, when we truly walk in the light, when we allow the light to expose our flaws and grow us in our walk with Christ, we are bound to be transformed. I want you to look at your life before salvation. How has the light changed your life? God is calling all of us to share that testimony. Look at your life before Christ and look at your life now. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about any type of prosperity. I'm talking about your heart posture and your mind. How has God transformed you since the Holy Spirit filled you? Since you received the gospel and received Jesus as Lord Of your life. God is calling us in these times because though the times may have changed, people haven't. And God is calling us to share our testimony with others that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all because the truth must be heard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because you are sinless you are holy you are righteous you are perfect and we thank you that you chose sinful flawed people like us to be used for your glory we thank you that even your love is perfect your wisdom is perfect we thank you for your perfect wisdom and your perfect sovereignty and sending your perfect son to live in an imperfect world. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blood that covers us from all sin and cleanses us from all sin. We thank you that through the gospel, we have the opportunity to confess our sin, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us. And so we pray that we would live as people and Christians with the heart of forgiveness, that we would live this word belief out a word of total submission and trust to you, that we wouldn't just recognize Jesus as Lord, but that we would acknowledge him as our Lord and put his will above ours as we go from day to day. We thank you for for everything that you've done thus far. We thank you for what you're getting ready to do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.